All right, this is just going to be a real quick teaser live broadcast here on Rumble as we get prepared for the launch officially this week of my new format for my podcasts, which are going to include you being able to watch me do it kind of behind the scenes in a video format here on Rumble. I cannot guarantee it'll be done every day of the week, but I am going to try to get into the habit of having them on a very regular basis, this being the first of those. I want to introduce some information to you for those of you that uh, are going to be hearing this through podcast only so that you'll know you can always just continue to do it this way. You can go through podcast.firstcenturypress.com and go out there and pick your choice of podcast services to use. Uh, or you can go in and watch through Rumble the live video version of that same podcast like you're seeing here or watch the rebroadcast of it that way as well. You have several options there. Now, if you are choosing to do this through the podcast format, I want you to know uh, as you go on in the future, if if you go into podcast.firstcenturypress.com and you look at the options of the services there. It does list Spotify. However, the short version of it is roughly about uh, two years ago, I had somebody who said, hey, your podcasts aren't showing up on Spotify anymore. Can't seem to find them. Went out there, looked on Spotify. Sure enough, I wasn't showing up. Contacted them. They indicated that they had changed their rules and regulations, that I need to resubmit an agreement to that process. But I needed to go through a whole new dashboard because all the podcast talent had been moved outside of a, the original area that the music talent was in. So I had to reset up a new account, go in through that whole process, resubmit uh, verification of all of that. And they said it would be just you know a little while and it would go live. Didn't. A couple of weeks go by, still didn't. A month goes by, still didn't. Get back in contact with Spotify. They're saying everything should be fine. It'll be soon. And short version of it, here we are nearly two years later, and Spotify still claims that you can get the First Century Press podcast through their service, but I don't show up in their directory. And so I gave up on it. But it does still show it listed. But every other podcast service, including Apple's, <laughs> the liberal Apple podcast system, has me out there. Everybody does except Spotify, even though Spotify claims that I'm there. So I say that real quick to just move on. Now, again, you can always just continue to listen to me in audio. You can come here on Rumble and watch it live. Watch it on the read broadcast if you want to. You can go into my website as well and access either the podcast version or the video version of these things as well that way. So I just say all that really quickly. Now, if you're watching this either live or in rebroadcast, you're going to notice some things on the screen. And this is very typical of many of the radio program video casts that are out there nowadays. I mean, you see somebody, you listen to them on their radio program, or you can watch them live in kind of a studio environment. And that's what you've got going in here. You're going to see things that are similar to that type of format if you're watching the video version. You're going to notice up in the uh, the upper left-hand corner, you've got a You're Listening To, and it shows my icon on there and a green halo that lights up as I speak. That is because I have this system hooked up through Discord, and I'm doing this so that I can very easily bring in a quote-unquote studio audience, but I can also bring in guest voices and co-hosts, and their names uh, will show up there as well as and will be highlighted as they join me from time to time on some of these 
these podcasts, these broadcasts. You will also notice that over in the corner, you are seeing a buy me a coffee banner. That is because I'm now using that as a form of optional financial support in this system. And I know it's, uh, I don't, don't take it lightly to, uh, to invite people in to offer a one-time or a recurring uh, contribution into this broadcasting system and to my account at large. I, I know that it's not a, a light thing to gather into. Uh, I fought against that for a very long time. And truthfully, after 2020 and the, the stages of everything that's going on, I just found that I could not continue to do this without getting some kind of contribution to help assist with the cause. And and so that's where I am where I am. But it's always going to be an optional thing. I mean, buy me a coffee. And uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with that, it means that you can do a one-time, really cheap little dollar contribution, or you can do a monthly contribution uh, to any of this. And with each of the tiers of things that you do in that program, uh, it gives you access to more content and more behind the scenes and and can actually, at a higher tier, will actually invite you in to take part in the actual programs that you're going to be seeing as a guest speaker. So there are there are benefits to going into that area and all of that type of thing. Now, if you want to try and find me on Discord, there will be options for that, but I'm not going to have it generally open uh, at large because I want to be able to have some control over the level of audience that participates. However, if you were watching this rather than just listening to the podcast, you will have the other option because of that of being able to see a screen similar to this from time to time. And what will happen is that you will have the live text that will be on there. So people that are a part of that live audience will get the options of being able to, to comment, ask questions, things of that nature as we go in and go from there. And then from time to time, we'll actually have content that's in the body, um, documentation, videos, things of that nature that we will throw in there as part of all of this program. But most of the time, you're just going to be seeing my face doing this and you're going to be watching as we are discussing, or I am on my own discussing, uh, the content for the day. And again, I want to make that something that is happening on a regular basis, if not every day, every couple of days, uh, going forward. And that's something that I think is essential. Now, having said that, let me explain why I am where I am and why I'm coming back into this, this format. It was approximately mid-2017 when I first started doing a online radio program. And the original format for that was Mental Brick. And then I switched over into Mental Brick Radio uh, before too long into that. And where that came from is that I am actually a an educator here in the United States, here in Texas. And I, uh, I educate high school post-high school, and so I was looking into that, and I wanted to find a format that was outside of my requirements of limitations within the educational field uh, where I could have discussions and dialogue with with the high school and college-aged mindset that is out there and uh, and have some very frank conversations with them about things. And so I started that with that format, Mental Brick, that's where it came from. 
And then October 1st of 17 happened, and that was the Las Vegas shooting, and it began to change my format, and I began to look into the need to research and look at what was really happening in the world, and uh, why we were not getting very accurate information on such major events such as that. And so I, I changed my format there, and within the next couple of months, I had a, a body of other people that were helping me research and, and discuss and dig into the details of not just the Las Vegas shooting, but other current events items, political, non-political, just in, in general. And it was at that point that I was introduced to, uh, late November, early December, I was introduced to the the materials that then became known as Q-drops. When it first came out, it was called Q-Clearance Anonymous. And then it switched over to QAnon, and then just became known as Q-drops and things of that nature. So I was there at the very beginning of this, within the first few days of those first drops coming out. And uh, myself, as well as a team of other people that were researching and digging into Las Vegas and those other things, began to research and, and dig into the QAnon content. And for about two years, we were very solidly involved in all the Q-drops, all the research, all the things, and then the things that went beyond the actual drops and into the theories that people began to throw in that weren't necessarily directly involved with QAnon. And, uh, and I gathered up a rather decent-sized social media audience through all of that. People were listening to the program, as well as people were following in Instagram, Twitter, things of that nature. And I got to a point where I never had a follower base that was larger than the 20-something thousand, but I had a ripple effect. For those of you that are familiar with it, it's not how many followers you have, it's how far out a post will go, uh, how many feelers it will get attached off of it that really is important. And you can have 100,000 followers, and if people aren't reposting what you're indicating, you're not, your audience isn't really as large as you think it is. In my case, I had a smaller followership, but I had a larger ripple effect that was happening. And at the height of all the Q information, I was actually could send a post out and I would have one to two million people that would eventually see that post because it would be reposted by others and, and expanded out, which was crazy. It really was. And I realized that I had a much larger influence than I thought that I did. Uh, and, and so I could only imagine people who had 100,000, a million followers, things of that nature. And there were some of those in within that Q community that had that. But uh, over the course of those two years, I, I gave in and out of ideas of what are we really doing here? Are we really going to be able to change the, the format of the way things are going by discussing this stuff online? And by the end of that time period, as we're reaching late 19, early 20, I'm really realizing that I... I feel like I am being rooked by the system. And I was noticing, and I was getting the influence really of others as well, but I'm noticing that instead of relying on God for a great deal of this, I was trying to rely on us somehow resetting everything. And I hadn't lost my faith in God. I had just lost my focus in what I should have been focusing on, on how we could face the events going on in the world. And so by early 20. I was looking to reformat everything, to reformat the whole structure, to remove myself out of the daily events of Q, as well as to re-engage in Scripture and re-engage into the prayer world 
and be looking to God for discernment rather than for rabbit holes. <laughs> and and I'm saying all this politely. I mean, there are other ways that I have broadcast, and I probably will in the future when it comes to details on all this. But in my reformat, I switched over from... I had already switched from Mental Brick to Patriot's Fight as my call sign. And I had switched over in 20 from Patriot's Fight Media over into First Century Press. And with that, I began to change my format into a more scripture-based, Bible study-based format. And almost immediately, I ended up getting conflict from two different groups. I got conflict from the Q people because I was not pro-Q or as pro-Q as I had been. And I got conflict from the Christian community because they were trying to figure out who is this Q guy who suddenly thinks he can spot off scripture to me. And uh, so let me really quickly kind of cover that and why you should even be listening to what you're listening to right now. Where do I have authority in any of this? Well, let me address the authority part first when it comes to the Q movement. The only authority I had in the Q movement was that I was there in those first few days of the Q drops dropping. I was there at the beginning. I wasn't a part of Q, but I was there early enough to follow along from the very beginning and kind of try to figure it all out along with others millions of others before it was all over, but particularly a, a small band of people that I myself communicated with. Did I have some form, form of authority in doing anything? Not any more than anyone else did who first came on to the whole Q movement and be, began to do the research and things of that nature. However, people wanted to consume up my information, and I had people around the world that were contacting me at all hours of the day and night asking me questions about Q stuff or things that had somehow been remotely connected with Q. And, and, and when I mean all around the world, I mean I had people in Australia, New Zealand, Africa, uh, Hong Kong, Russia, all over Europe, and especially here in the United States. And these people were relying on me as somebody who had been there and should have some information on things. And I find that interesting because my history really only began when the Q-drops began. Late November, early December of 2017. That's it. There was no longer history for it than that. However, the Christian community was stabbing me left and right for getting involved in Bible study content even though my history with that goes back 30-something years. I have both a bachelor's in pastoral ministry and a master's in theology and biblical and Bible language emphasis. And then the 25-plus, 30 years since then in ministry-related work and personal research and things of that nature. And yet the Christian community was jumping all over me saying, where do I come off? going out there and throwing Bible content out there. Well, I had over three decades of experience doing that. I only had a couple of years worth of experience working with the Q-drops. But I was getting less feedback from the shills fighting the Q movement or fighting Trump or fighting MAGA than I did from the church community. And so I knew that my switch to first century press was essential. I knew then that it was important, that it was far more important than the stuff that I thought had been important through the Q movement. Because obviously there's an issue 
there's a strong kickback issue going on in the church. And so First Century Press has become, over the last year plus, my format for going in and deeply researching and going back as early as I can, both in Scripture as well in Christian writings and non-Christian writings, and doing the research, spending all the kind of energy I used to spend going down rabbit holes, but now I'm going back into God's Word. And I do it now understanding that the church itself has been compromised. And here's my short version of that. The church has been compromised throughout several stages in the history of its existence. But the most dominant one has been back in the 1800s. And it was during a time period when science was being rethought in the 1800s. The way we covered history was being reformatted in the 1800s. The way we did business in general, mathematics, education as a whole, all of it was being reworked. And one of the things that was steamrolling this forward was the changes that were happening in the church. So it's not just Darwinianism that happened in the mid to late 1800s that began to shift the way that we looked at life. The church itself was doing that shift as well. And, and let me explain. Up until that time period, we had pretty much clung on to uh, the translation of the Bible from the 1600s. Okay? We had clung to what is now known as the King James Version or the Authorized Version. And it was in the 1800s that they began to write new translations, new interpretations of things. It's not the change of the translations that became the real issue, however, although they haven't helped. It, it was the addition in the 1800s of individuals putting their own commentary into the printed word. And you're all familiar with it now. If you pick up just about any Bible nowadays, you're going to find that it is some form of a study Bible. And it has footnotes on every page to some effect. Well, in the 1800s, with people like Schofield and Ryrie, then in the 1900s, you ended up with your uh, John MacArthur's and those types, and your Charles Stanley. Uh, you started getting individual ministers that would put their personal commentary about a scripture into the footnotes of the scripture itself and print it out. Schofield and Ryrie were chief among this in the 1800s to do this. What happened is the commentary became more and more important over the scripture itself. And there are pages in some of those study Bibles where the entire page, pretty much, is the commentary with just two or three verses at the top that are actually God's Word. And what happened, as natural, is people began to read the footnotes and interpret that as the Scripture. Now, this is not a new concept. This was something that was happening in the first and second century as Judaism was developing. And for those that don't understand that whole history there, Judaism was still developing as a religion when Jesus walked this earth. And the century or so following his crucifixion and resurrection, Judaism was still developing. They were still writing out their content. They were still determining which books were going to be included in their Hebrew Bible and, and so forth. And they created these huge levels, entire huge libraries of commentaries. And they began to indoctrinate the people into believing that those library of commentaries on the Scripture were just as holy as the Scripture itself. And it became a part of the structure of what they call the Oral Torah and so forth. 
and what the rabbi would say became just as holy as the scripture as well and it developed judaism did that way back then christianity began to do that over its time frame as well and particularly in the 1800s they began to print that commentary in there and before you knew it a generation passes and people are assuming that that commentary is just as sacred as the words themselves in the scripture and you throw 150 to 200 years into that mix and you're not going to find ministries out there, maybe 1%, that are willing to acknowledge that the things they believe in the church and the doctrine they've built in the, into the faith over that time period has been heavily tainted by the commentary of individual men rather than by God's word. And... Most of this, I didn't get. I didn't realize. I didn't sense it in any of my life outside of the last year and a half or so. And that was a shock for me. I had grown up in the church, grown up in the Baptist church, in fact, and had gone on, went in, got a bachelor's degree in theology, got a master's degree in theology, biblical languages, all of that. I spent all these years either teaching Sunday school, being in the Sunday school, being behind the pulpit or being in front of the pulpit and I've been through all of those formats and in none of this time did I have any reason for anyone to bring into question my understanding of certain concepts until COVID hit last year and I'm suddenly finding myself full-time at home and I get an opportunity the Lord presented an opportunity for me to sit down uninterrupted and get back into the Word. And when I wasn't in the Scripture itself, I was in commentary as well that was reflecting on that. And I found that if I got myself away from the 21st century commentary into the 20th, it began to be clearer. And it began to make more sense and become closer in tune with the Scripture. Then I began to dig in deeper and find that when I was reading early church historian works from 3rd, 4th, 5th century, it made me want to pull away from the 20th century theologians as well, or at least most of the 20th century. And I began to backstep and go earlier and earlier into what we consider modern interpretation, modern commentary. And I found that it was in the 1800s that all those switches began to happen. We're switching over into our belief system in a cosmic realm, we're switching over into a biological evolution kind of, kind of conversation. We're switching the way that we cover our history and how our accuracy of things is, and we're beginning to question, you know, what do we really know about our founding fathers? And all that began to happen in the 1800s. And all of that also was happening within the church. And so I had to remove myself from early 20th century late 18 i mean late 19th century commentary and go wow this is back when people were still debating really relevant issues not just within the world in large but within the scripture itself and that was when i discovered concepts such as wow there really was no strong discussion about a rapture of the church in the last days until the 1800s there really was no serious discussion about the shape of the world or the size of the universe or the age of creation until the 1800s. 
wow, there really was no questioning of our morality and our general structure and the way that we should accomplish our existence in this world until the 1800s. And so I noticed that there was a machine that was at play in that time period that was beginning to manipulate all of it. And the church was not only being manipulated as well, but they were on the forefront of helping create that manipulation. So the church was sacrificed at that day and age. And the church that we're built off of today is far removed from the church that existed just a few hundred years ago, let alone 2,000 years ago. So I say all that as an introduction to where First Century Press comes from. It comes from this idea of trying to go back as early into the Scripture and as straight from the Scripture as possible, as early in the translations. And as far as that is concerned, I still have gone back into the King James because when I put it up next to my Greek text, I still find that King James is a closer translation of the Greek text than these so-called modern editions are. Not to mention the commentary and the additional things that have been added. There's commentary being thrown into the interpretation and translation itself in these newer versions. They change the words, they change the pronouns, they change the structure of things in order to create commentary in the verses themselves. They have modified the scripture. Now, I am not one of those that says, well, the King James is God's word. Well, the King James is an English translation of God's word. And it is the closest English translation that we have to the Greek text and to the Hebrew as far as accuracy is concerned. And so, yes, there are things that you can question here and there, but overall I found that a return to the King James was essential for me in my faith to walk. And along those lines, I found that I had to go back to earlier theologians that were not influenced by the other versions, that were not being influenced by these commentaries by Schofield and Ryrie and so forth. And when I got away from all of that, I found that there were some really true conservative, um, ethical, moral stances that were still in existence with the authors that predated the shift that took place in the 1800s. And so that's where first century press comes from. I'm not talking about 21st century. I'm not being cute with that. I'm talking about the need for us to return to the origins of what Christianity was founded on outside of the things that have changed. Now, that also includes the need for me to call out the things that need to be called out. You have to understand, like I just mentioned with Judaism earlier, Judaism was still developing a century or two after Christ had walked this earth. It was still being molded as a religion, and it was being molded based off of a Babylonian mindset. And it was also being taken up into Rome and was influencing the Roman version of this new sect called Christianity. And what you ended up with was Romanized Judaism, which then became called Catholicism, that's around the 3rd century, 4th century or so, is when Roman Catholicism began to officially be molded into everything. And so the church became a Romanized Judaism. And I've got longer videos that cover that kind of thing than what I'm going to cover here, and so I'm not going to try to do that here. But that was the initiation of that. Then you had a rebellion from the Catholicism in the form of the Reformation. 
and I say it that way on purpose, it was not reforming Christianity, it was reforming Catholicism. So the Protestant Reformation, which produces all of these other denominations that we now have today, is not a return to first century Christianity, it's just a rebellion from Catholicism, or the Romanized Judaism. So it is different, it is scant, but that also includes your churches that you've had strong support in, your Lutherans, your Methodists, your Baptists, and all of those, all of those groups are a reaction to Catholicism rather than a return to Christianity, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to step on any toes with that. I was raised Baptist. I know many Methodists. I know Presbyterians. I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'm familiar with these these folks and the way that they see things. But we're all kind of in that same basket, and we were being trained the same way, at least from the 1800s on. We have been. So there is that. And so I say all that to say that there really are various issues that are going on. And in order for us to get back to what Christ meant and what the disciples were trying to spread, you have to get away from the third century beyond concepts that Catholicism was built off of. And you have to stay away from the more modern revisions and reformations of those as well. you got to get back to those first couple of centuries and what was originally being formed and developed. How did the church originally develop and what was what was Christ really explaining to people and so you've got to go back to that and that's what first century press is all about it's an attempt to look at today's world from a concept based off of early Christianity and where it stood and how it saw things rather than Catholicism or Protestantism now, as far as all the world religions things of that nature, I do believe that the world is melding into one world religion do I believe that there's one particular one that will overtake the others? No, I don't. And here's why. Because I think they are all pretty much different iterations of the same concept anyway. I think Judaism is going to be the legalistic arm. That form of Judaism is going to be the legalistic side of that one world religion. What we see today as Islam is going to be the military, the militant version of that. I, because I do believe that there are enough similarities there. I mean, the Roman church loves to hug on the concept that we're all going to get along. And then you have that traditional Christianity, which is Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. Those two together are seen as Christianity, but they're not true Christianity. And that is the portion that is the charismatic portion of the one world religion. The charisma comes from the Christian, the so-called Christian church. The militant version comes from Islam, and the legalistic portion comes from Judaism. And those three meld together. And you go, well, what about all the other religions in the world? Well, the others will succumb to that because they like the idea of the unity of all of it. They will all bleed into it because they will find pieces of one of those three aspects that they will want to cling to. And that's how it all works, which leaves a remnant of people that are truly seeing God's word from the perspective that the disciples saw it. It's a remnant of people that will still be a part of that. And this is a part of what I discovered within the last year and a half or so is that 
when you delve back into the church and you into the true church and you delve back into the scripture the scripture itself not the commentaries you begin to realize that there are certain things that do not exist in scripture there is not a strong indication of the church being pulled up during the darkest days so that they are spared the worst of the tribulation in fact there's more of an indication that the church needs to be here the true church needs to be here in order to give the people any kind of guidance and, and assistance in fighting against the darkness that will take over so picture it this way imagine removing why in the world would, would the Lord set it up so that the church all the morality is removed from earth leaving all immorality here to try and figure it out God wouldn't do that he's always sent a judge he's always sent a prophet he's always sent someone to try and guide and direct and redirect folks doesn't mean they're gonna follow but he always leaves someone there as a messenger as somebody to to remind people of where they should be focusing that's the church but we're talking about the true church not the church as a whole that we think of today we're talking about the people who are truly devoted the people who really are still in that first century Christianity it's gonna be a small group it's not gonna be a large group of people and so these are all realities that have hit me within the last year and a half or so uh, that it shames me to realize that it's taken that long for it to do so I'm 51 years old I've gone to church most of my life I've got two ministry degrees I've spent a lifetime either teaching Bible study or contributing to Bible study doing things of that nature and in missions and things of that nature and I didn't see it I didn't see it because I wasn't being shown it but I didn't see it also because I wasn't looking hard enough and I was willing to accept and trust what these other people were telling me instead of looking at God's Word and asking God what do you want me to get from this word and that's where I am now and that's why first century press is where it is that's why the format has become what it has now I'm returning to the live format and I'm doing this with the video on rumble or just the audio on the podcast and I'm gonna to try to do it on a consistent basis now because I realized that there's been a gap here I realized that the, over the last few months especially you've been looking at the events you look at the headlines you look at the things that are happening out there and, and you notice that I'm not mentioning a particular administration politically either in this we're talking about we've been looking at this for a while now but you see all this stuff and you ask yourself where is the salvation in this where is the fix for these things how are we going to get through all of this and I've got you know you, you've got people just like I do that are are telling you well this is going to happen and this is going to solve this or this group is going to show up and this is going to happen or this person needs to be reinstated into this and this will no there is no earthly savior there is no earthly salvation that's going to happen there is no recall of where everything is going and a reset of where everything is going we are not reversing from this folks we're not going to reverse from this this is where it is and it's going to just continue forward in this now that doesn't mean there aren't going to be remnants of moments and hopes and individual success stories and things that's not what I'm talking about but I mean the world as a whole is not going to recover from the direction that it's going in and I, I ran into somebody a couple of months ago 
in a parking lot, actually, who noticed that I had a, a scripture on my shirt and was, was asking me some questions. And he was, he was asking, he said, do you think that we're living in the end times? And I had to say, yes, I do believe that we are. And, you know, and I've, the last couple of years I've, I've said that to people and I've said it to myself, and it always reminds me of throughout the rest of my life, looking back and, and hearing people make comments like that, and I've even made comments like that, and, and I would give specific reasons why I thought that we were living in those end times, and then those times came and went. And so even, even today when I say I believe that we're living in the end times, I think that we're right there, we're at the cusp of all this, even when I say it now, I know that there are people that go, yeah, 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 we've heard that before. We've heard that not just within my lifetime, but we heard it from my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents or back in history books, and we've heard that throughout history. And it's true. We have. And every, every, every generation looks at their generation and says that it can't get any worse than this. And, and I, I understand that. But I think that we've been given a glimpse of it now because of what the events of the last year and I think you can see, I mean, in fact, even not even the last year, this year in 2021, you're getting an example of how quickly things can change and escalate. And we're talking about in days, not weeks or years. We're talking in days, how quickly things change and become really, really bad. And instead of them reversing, you just get, you just get another stage of it, another whatever that's happening. That, to me, is an indication, and this is the conversation I had with the, the gentleman in the parking lot a couple of months ago. Think about how quickly all of this changed, and then ask yourself, does it really take more than seven years for the world to be destroyed? And it doesn't. <coughs> Excuse me. It really doesn't. You see how fast all this happens? It only takes a few days for major changes to take place. The world is ripe is ripe for somebody to come in and quote-unquote rescue it. And people are begging for individuals to resurface or to surface for the first time. They want some political leader they either currently have, want to have in the future, have had in the past, whatever. They all want somebody to come in and fix it. And they see every example for that. For, the, for why they should want that. I mean, I, I get it. I understand why people want certain changes to happen. I want to see some changes too. The very human part of me looks at the stuff going on around me and goes, I just don't want it like this anymore. I want it to be like this time period was or whatever. I want it fixed. But even though I want that, I know that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen under a human leadership. It's not going to happen under us we are not going to make that change we're not talking about somebody making a change by recycling or whatever i'm talking about how we human beings are not going to fix the direction that we're going in because the direction we're going in isn't really even being controlled by human beings there is a darkness. There is a spiritual realm that is at, at in motion through all of this, and it's scriptural. There are people being used as pawns in that process, but it is not a human process that's taking place. This is spiritual. And humans are not going to fix a spiritual battle. 
We know where this is going. You just don't like to hear it. And you want to tell yourself that it's another generation's that's going to experience it. You know, it's like, oh, times are bad, but it's not. This isn't it. This isn't the end. My great-grandchildren will face something like this or whatever. They don't even want to pin it on family in the future. They just say, it's not going to happen yet. And this guy in the parking lot wanted to believe the same thing. But when you look at how fast within days, and in some cases even hours, how quickly things change and how quickly people jump onto the wagon to accept those changes, you realize we are a lost world. And then you've got people that think that some human figure is going to come in and rescue them. See, the human race is ready for the Antichrist. They're ready for it. The church is already fallen. There are remnants of good churches, but the church as a whole has fallen. Religion as a whole has fallen. There are now, <laughs> latest, latest statistics, latest survey indicates there are now more people that believe that we evolved from something else than not. It's like 58% or, or something like that now believe that we are the result of something that over some amount of time was originally something else. And that includes within the church. There are people, there are churches, there are ministries that are actually saying that, yes, this was all part of God's plan. So they're completely negating Genesis, and they're saying, we were something else, but this is all part of God's plan. He's, he's been molding us and, and redeveloping us. No, we were created as is in his image. You're going to tell me his image was a fish or a monkey? Or his image just accidentally happened or whatever but that's where we are we now have the majority of people who believe this nonsense and these are people not only within the church but these are people leading the churches we are there folks we are at that point now where the world is ripe for some figure to come in and say I'm going to rescue you I'm gonna fix all of this and they're going to welcome in that Antichrist. And the church is going to welcome them in with open arms and banners and huge parades. And Hillsong is going to write the theme. Or whoever. We're there. I do believe that the tribulation and the end times that we think of, the revelation time period of seven years is going to be a literal seven years. But I do not believe that the church is going to be rescued from it. I think the church is going to be here through it. And the church is going to have to face the tribulations and they're going to have to come to their decisions. I mean, you can't be martyred if you're not facing up against the deepest challenges. doesn't make any sense. I mean, either you believe that the church is rescued from it and doesn't have to face it, or the church has to face the possibilities of being martyred, which is in Revelation. But the idea that the church disappears isn't. Now, people will make all kinds of references that, well, you know, you don't hear reference to the church after a certain period, in the, so therefore the church isn't there. Maybe you're not hearing references directly to the word church because the church as we know it won't exist. But the church is us.
is the people. It's not buildings. More on that in the, later. All of this being said, we are there, we are ripe, and I know that it's just my opinion on all this, and I'm not asking anybody to just drop everything they believe and just abandon that and go with me, because I'm working through this as well. The Holy Spirit is showing me things, and I'm, but the Spirit's only going to show me what I'm willing to, to see. That is why I'm returning to all of this. That's why I'm going to get more active. And that's why you're going to start hearing political conversations coming from me as well. And yet, you're not going to like some of it because I'm going to be pointing out figures on all sides of the aisle. On all sides of the aisle. There are people with blood on their hands on both parties with the things that have gone on recently. And it's just going to get worse. If you really think that we're living in a two-party or a multiple-party system, you're a fool. We really aren't. We're living under the illusion of having those choices. But we really don't have them. Not really. It sounds good. It makes us feel good. But it's not real. Just like we hear from the church, the church wants to tell us that we're going to get rich, we're going to be successful, that we're going to be loved, um, that this life is going to run smoother, um, and that when it gets really bad, we're just going to be yanked up from it and we won't have to face it. That's what we're told today. And we've been told that since the late 1800s, and it's just accelerated with the use of the Internet now to where just about every church wants to tell you that, you know, best times are ahead, and when it really does get bad, you won't be here. And yet I find nothing in Scripture that actually clearly indicates that. And... So I do believe that we've got the roughest times ahead of us, roughest of any period in human history. And I believe that most of the people that are hearing this right now are going to be alive to witness this. I do believe that. And I, I think it's very close. I do. I think it's very close. And so here I am doing this program and I can't guarantee that you're going to agree with me. Um, I can't guarantee that I won't change my mind on a few things here and there as well because the Lord may show me something different. Um, but I'm up for the battle. I'm up for the, uh, the opposition that I know is going to be there. And, uh, and I'll answer whatever questions I can answer moving forward with all of that. But I just wanted to introduce this, indicate that over the next couple of days I will start the first of the real live programs. I will also begin the process of having guest hosts on. And I'll start giving you the details out on how you can support me in all this. And, and I, I say this again to indicate I've got the Buy Me a Coffee banner at the bottom of all this. And you will hear that on my podcast. Uh, I do have that out there. It is something that gives the option of you giving as little as a dollar um, on a one-time basis or doing a monthly redo on three different tiers and with that you'll get options for things to do and I'm not requiring that of anybody. The standard content that you're seeing right now and that you're hearing in the podcast is going to continue to be um, it's going to continue to be available uh, to everyone but there will be some things that will allow for something above and beyond. And so I'll be bringing that into more detail for you. I want you to know uh, that that is out there. If you want to support me in some way, 
I would appreciate it. It's I can't do everything free all the time. I have for years, and I did it free for the Q stuff, uh, and it, it doesn't make me proud to do it with uh, asking for something. And in addition, when I'm doing it for the Lord, uh, that doesn't make me feel better. But the world being what it is and times being what they are, uh, I do need some assistance in making sure that I can be on it on a regular basis, that I can get other people involved, and that I can provide content that has merit behind it, that is scriptural as well as moral, just in general. So I said all that. I'm going to sign off. Love y'all. Hope that you, uh, you take all of this in a positive manner. Please spread this information to others. Rumble.com slash firstcenturypress podcast.firstcenturypress.com my Instagram is firstcenturypress as well and so forth spread this information to people let them know what's going on and uh, and help me build this up so that we can get a better audience going forward with all this I love you and uh, I'm praying for you